0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Our theme for today that we're going to do in this talk is Are you dwelling somewhere you should have departed? Are you dwelling somewhere you should have departed? And so the, the question, the reason we're going to bring that about and, and get in the message today is we're talking about this journey of hope. And I encourage you, if you've got your worship guides and you want to get your sermon notes out, you can follow along with us there, or you can get uh, your UVersion Bible app. There's sermon notes available on that as well. If you're watching online, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us. Sometimes I forget about all the people that's watching online, and uh, we're, we're thrilled to that. Or maybe you're listening to our podcast or uh, wherever you may be watching on YouTube or Facebook or whatever. I'm not even sure what all the options are, but it's just a privilege to be uh, speaking with you and, and worshiping Jesus with you today. But we, we love, we get excited about the Bible here at the Rhodes Church because we believe that every time we open the Bible, God's going to be speaking to us. We're way more excited about the Bible than what you are right now. So I want you to begin to, <laughs> just begin to encourage yourselves, get folks up, get amped up because we believe when we come into church, when we open the Bible, God is going to speak to us where we need to be spoken to. Yes. We really believe that. We get excited about it. So when I say open up the Bible, we get excited because we believe God's going to speak to us. So let's open up our Bibles today to Hebrews chapter six. There we are. Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six. Have you Are you dwelling somewhere you should have departed? Let me ask this question to you as you're turning there and getting ready this morning. Have you ever been stuck somewhere trying to get somewhere else? You ever been stuck someplace, found yourself in a place where you didn't necessarily want to be because something was preventing you from reaching where you really wanted to be? Like the the definition of the word stuck is means to halt the movement or action of something to be impeded by an obstruction. So being stuck is a lot of times is an example of when we're here, we want to be there, and for some reason we can't seem to get there, either by something on our own issues or something we can control or something out of our control. Has anybody ever been stuck like you can be stuck in the mud or stuck in the snow or stuck in traffic? Have you ever been stuck in traffic? You're stuf- stuck in traffic around here. I was thinking about it this weekend. matter of fact, it was just yesterday as we were traveling, it's different than maybe being stuck in traffic in the big city. When you're stuck in traffic here this time of year, it's because there's a combine in front of you <laughs> and has all the cars lined up, you know, people, there, you don't have any traffic in rural America. Yes, you do. They're called combines. And they back up everything, but when you're stuck in traffic or, or maybe you're on your way to vacation, you're excited about getting to vacation and, but then you're on the interstate and all of a sudden all the traffic comes to a complete halt. You ever been like traveling on the interstate and you're zooming along and you look over at the other side, going the other direction, they're standing still and you're like, yes. (laughs) It's like somehow this weird, maybe evil joy comes over you. I'm not sure. What it is, you just get excited because you're moving along, but the times when it is you and you just come to a screechy, screeching halt, you know it's in the summertime, it's hot and the kids are all going crazy, and are we there yet, are we there yet? And you're sitting there and nobody likes to be stuck where they are trying to get somewhere else. You ever been stuck in a conversation you thought you'd never get out of? <laughs> just look straight ahead, you don't have to think. You're, you're in that conversation. We, nobody likes to be stuck somewhere, right? It's about being somewhere we are now, but it's not where we want to be. And this is what we're gonna talk about today. This is kind of our, our theme to, for the day. We're, we're talking about the importance of not getting stuck on our journey of hope. Because how many knows our our mood is drastically impacted when we get stuck somewhere. If you're stuck somewhere, if you're stuck in line shopping, and you know, I was, we were shopping just the other day, I was in this line. And this person just kept taking their own sweet time. They're in the line that's supposed to be 10 items or less. I counted at least 13 items. (laughs) You, lady, are out. (laughs) Nobody likes to be stuck. In Our mood, we can get cranky and we can get irritable because we are where we don't want to be. That's the basis of it. I, I don't want to be here, so therefore I get upset. Then everything about my life is impacted by my mood, which is impacted by my surroundings. So it's just like this vicious cycle. I don't want to be here, so I don't like the fact that I'm stuck here. And the fact that I don't like it makes my mood bad. It makes my attitude bad. And it's even worse being where I don't want to be. It's like it snowballs. It snowballs. And this is what we're talking about. We don't want to get stuck. So let's look at Hebrews chapter six. I'm just going to pick three verses out of here and we're going to jump into the part we want to focus on today. For when God made a promise, I'm in 613, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiply, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. I want to give you three phases of the journey of hope. Three phases. I hope you get these. I hope you write them down. They're P's, note takers, or world changers. The first phase of the journey of hope is the promise. Second one is the process. Bah. The third one is possession. Yay. So we got, we're bookends, you know, you got two, the rows between two thorns or something like that. I'm not sure how that went, but either way, you got promise and we got possession and we got the process in the middle. I just let something run around the track right there. Don't say that, Chad. You're in church and you're online. Hey, everybody online, how you doing? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Three phases of the journey of hope. You'll see them right here in these verses. Look what it says in verse 13, for when God made a promise, everybody say promise. There's the promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, here's the promise, surely blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. That's the promise of God. Amen. Verse 15, we get the process. So after, everybody say after. After he patiently endured, there's the process. Promise, patiently endured, process. He obtained, that's the possession, obtained the promise. So we see all three phases here. And we see the promise where it says uh, in verse 14, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will m- multiply you. That is the promise to Abraham. Now, this is a, a reference to Genesis 22 when Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac to God and the angel of the Lord stops him. And so that was, that was the, the quote or the reference to that promise that God made to Abraham after that. He said, hey, if you're not willing to keep your son, hold back your son from me, I trust you. I'm going to bless you and multiply you. But I want to look at the original promise, the original time God spoke to Abraham. So let's go back. Let's take it back to Genesis 12. Take it back. Do, 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 do. Take it back. Come on. That's rocky. Anybody with me? Come on. Genesis chapter 12. Anyway. Genesis chapter 12. This is the original promise that God spoke to Abram. Here we go. Genesis 12. Start reading in verse one. It says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram departed. Everybody say departed. Departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed. Everybody say departed. Departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they'd gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed. Everybody say, Dep- yeah. departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you for your word that is life to those who find it, health to all their flesh. I thank you, Lord, that you speak and power and might today. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to break chains. Break every lie of the enemy. And I thank you for freedom in the house today by the glory of God. In your name we pray. Amen. I hope you're excited about what God's going to do today. I am expecting great things because the power of the Holy Spirit's moving. He's setting people free today. And I'm excited about that continuing in this process. So now, look what he said. Here's the promise. The promise we find in verse 2 it says, I will three things and the promise. I, three things that God will do. Number one, I will make you a great nation. Number two, I will bless you. And number three, I will make your name great. You say, well, he says, and you shall be a blessing. You shall be a blessing is not the promise that is a byproduct of the promise. In other words, when God's blessings on our lives, then we are a blessing to others. So this is what God would do. He said, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. That's the promise of what God will do. The promise of what God wants to do in your and my life is important. It is important, it's part of the process. It's not the motive, it's not like we do for God because he's going to do for us, it's not like we serve God because he's promised us something, but it is important to keep the promises of God in front of us because it gives us encouragement and gives us hope, it helps us to keep going even though where we are is not where we want to be. I wrote it down this way, the vision of the promise gives you hope so that you can endure the pain in the process. Anybody ever have pain in the process? There's going to be pain in the process, but the promise of God gives us hope. The vision of, uh, of the promise of God gives us hope. This even happened for Jesus himself. If Jesus had to do this, how much more will we have to do it? In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this. Jesus says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Was the cross fun? No. no. Did Jesus want to go to the cross? No, he said to the father in the garden, he said, if there's any other way, please, let's come up with a plan B. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So he went through the pain of the process because he saw the promise of you and me on the other side. So sometimes we got to have the promise in front of us. So now verse two is the promise. Verse one is the process. This is what I want to focus on today. He says here in in verse one, now the Lord had said to Abraham, Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Here's the process. Three steps. There are three steps to the promise. Now there's three conditions to the process. He says, yeah, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. But number one, I need you to get out of your country. Now remember, Abraham was not a Jew at this time. He didn't know God at all. He was not a Christian. He was not part of a church. The Bible actually teaches us in Joshua that Abram's father and his whole family were idol worshipers. They served other gods. They didn't even serve Jehovah. They didn't even know the God of Israel because there was no Israel yet. This is before all of that. And all of a sudden, God speaks to Abram and says, all right, Abram, get out of your country. That's the condition. Get out of your family and from your father's house. I'm like, wow, this sounds like a, a, a huge price to pay. To leave all three of these, he'd be leaving all the security, identity, and future that he had. But notice the intimacy level that changes. Get out of your country. Okay, that's kind of generic. Get from your family. That literally meant your, your homeland or your birthplace. And then the third one, from your father's house. Notice that the intimacy level ratchets up each directive. Country, kind of general, birthplace, okay, hometown, area, okay, father's house. Every time the Lord said, I want to increase the level of intimacy, I'm increasing the price. But here's what we have to know about God. When God says, get out of something, it's an invitation to come into something greater. Whatever God calls us out of, he's always calling us into something greater. And the greater the intimacy that he's calling us out of, in other words, the greater the price we pay, the greater the intimacy he's calling us into. He's calling me out of relationships here to call me into a greater relationship. God never just says, get out of sin. He calls you into something greater than sin. The problem with religion is religion just says, stop sinning. Get out of sin, and then you will be right. You will not be right when you just stop sinning. We're only, we're only right by the righteousness of Jesus. My stopping sinning will not save me. Jesus dying on the cross saves me. Me putting my faith in him. So now it's understanding that God's never going to call. Well, if you just quit Uh, you know, smoking and drinking and cussing and sleeping around and stop all that sin, then you'll be right. No, no, no. God calls you into a life that's greater than sin. So you look at sin like, wow, why would I go back to that when I can have this? That's the difference in religion and Jesus. Jesus calls us into something, not just out of something. So that's what you have to understand if you're watching. God's not just saying, stop this, stop that, stop that. He's saying, start this. Start this. It's an invitation. He's like, come, come and die. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you taste of living for Jesus and really taste of living for Jesus and not just attending church, but once you taste living for Jesus, now going back to the other leaves (laughs) leaves a bad taste in your mouth. That's what God wants you. Once you experience the presence of God, you never want to go back. Never want to go back. So this is what he's telling us. He's, he's saying, listen, I'm going to call you out of something. God's never just freeing us from something, but he's freeing us to something. This is so important, man. So, so where, where is he freeing us to? Where is he freeing us to? He says in verse, in verse one there, he said, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will show you. So we got to trust the guide. We got to trust God that we're not always going to know. Here's the question. Can we leave behind what we know to move towards what we don't know? If God's calling you out of something that you're familiar with, a lifestyle that you're familiar with, friends that you're familiar with, can you leave them behind and walk into something that you're unfamiliar with? Can you trust the guy that he will take you to a land that he will show you? Abram didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how he was going to end up. He just said, Abram, I want you to leave everything that you're comfortable with, everything that you're used to, everything that you're familiar with. I want you to leave all of that and go with me. Where? I'll show you. How many is going to trust God when he calls you out of that life into a new life and you don't know what it's going to be like? That's the invitation that God's giving us. Trust the God. Why? Because we're not trying to go to an end result. Here's what we do. Here's what I do. I'll say it about myself. I say, God, I'll I'll go where you want me to go if you show me what it's going to look like when I get there. If you'll show me how it's going to play out, I'll trust you, man. If you'll show me how the connection is going to be made and, man, where I'm going to live and how the house is going to be or what the job's going to be like, man, I'll trust you. Just show me what it's going to be like because we want to give God our stamp of approval on his plan. God, if you just make it really plain to me, I'll leave. I trust. I will leave God. I will leave all this behind. <laughs> I trust. I'm guaranteed. I if you'll just show me everything I'm going to. He said, I'll. Just trust me. So now our, what we're going to is not the thing, it's him. When we choose him, then we'll go wherever he wants to go. That's the difference. Too many times we're wanting what God will do for us instead of God himself. He says, trust me. And so he's, he's pulling us out on this journey, and he, he doesn't tell us where we're going. So now is this, when did God speak this to Abram? You said, well, in verse 1, it says right there. No, no, I, I believe it was earlier. Because look at verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, the Lord had said. Had its past tense The Lord had said to Abram. So go in chapter 11 and go back to verse 27. Maybe you're close by Maybe you just scroll up whatever you do Right there and I want to give you this This is the genealogy of Terah in verse 27 Terah begot Abram Nahor and Haran and Haran begot Lot And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Pay attention to verse 28. You'll need this. So Abram had three sons. Sorry, (laughs) Terah had three sons. Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Okay, so that's where... Haran died before his father. Then Abram, Nahor, and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah. But Sarah was barren and she had no child. Now I, I do better with pictures. And so I brought up this slide. I want to give you the family tree here for what happened. So here's Tara. Got a little pointer here. So Tara had three sons says Abram, Abraham listed here, but it was originally Abram, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Now it would look like on this, and in the text, it might make you think that Abram was the oldest, but I'm telling you, uh, what I've studied and figured out that Abram was actually the youngest and Haran was the oldest. And there's a lot of ways that we can explain that, but Haran, so then it says died back in Ur of the Chaldees. So Haran died. He had Lot and he had Milcah. Well, then the Bible tells us that Nahor married Milcah. Yee. So, so Nahor married his niece. We don't do this anymore. This is just <laughs> different times. So Nahor married Milka. So Horan was the oldest. And remember, we'll find out that Terah lived to be 205 years old. So these guys could have been decades apart in age. So we think about every two years spitting out a kid, but that's not necessarily what they did back then. It may have been every 20 years. So anyway, Haran had Lot. So Haran was the oldest when he died. He had a daughter, Milcah. And so now she, who knows how old she was. She could have actually been the same age as Nahor. We don't. That's not the significant part of this story. But anyway, so that's the family tree. All right. And then Abram, if you know this too, Abraham also, I'll throw this in for free. Remember that Abram married Sarah, Sarai. Sarah was actually his half-sister. Same father, different mother. I know it's weird. But it's just the way it was back there in the Bible times. So again, different mother, so Sarah and Abram, age difference. We know, their, you know what their age difference was just from scripture, but again, that's not important. I just wanted to throw that in there. So now here's the family. So he looks in verse 31, and Terah took his son, Abram, now wait a minute. In chapter 12, who did God speak to to get out of his country, to get out of his family, and to get out of his father's house? He spoke to Abram, right? So he said, get out of your father's house. Now go to verse 31 of chapter 11. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and his son Abram's his son, Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. Now hold up. Abram's supposed to leave all of his family and his father's house. And who's going along on this journey with him? He's got his daddy with him. He's got his nephew with him and he's got Sarai. So Sarai's fine. Bring your wife with you, but he's supposed to leave his father's house. He's supposed to leave his family and he's got two coming along with him. He's supposed to leave them behind, but said they went out to go to the land. So all of them are leaving together and they had great intentions. They were intending to go to the land of Canaan, but they were supposed to leave these people behind. Abram was willing to walk away from his country. He was willing to walk away from his homeland, but he's not willing to walk away from his immediate family. He was not willing to walk away from his daddy for whatever reason. But they didn't detach. And here's what I want to submit to you. What we're not willing to walk away from can become the very thing that prevents us from experiencing what God has for us. Well, I'm not walking away from my daddy. Well, what if your daddy is the one thing? Nobody's bringing that down. But Jesus even said this. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He wasn't saying because he didn't love his mama and didn't love his daddy, that wasn't the issue. It's an evaluation process, evaluation process, I should say, and it's who is the most important. Jesus has to be first. The thing that we will not walk away from can be the thing that holds us back. Everything has to be on the table when you're in your relationship with Jesus. You can't hold anything back and say, well, I'll give everything to God except this, this, and this. Those simple things could be the very things that hold you back. Remember this, partial obedience is still disobedience. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly serving God. I know. We're all mostly serving God to a certain aspect. But ask King Saul how partial obedience works. Partial obedience is still disobedience. So this is why we have to understand we're giving up everything. We're we're submitting it all. So they had good intentions. They're going to go to Canaan. I've got dad with me and I've got Lot with me, but we're still going to the land of Canaan. But then the next part says, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. Mm. Came to Haran and dwelt there. The word dwelt means to set down, to remain, to settle in to take up residence, to settle in. i got another map here I want to show you. This gives you a little idea of the journey. So they went on this journey, Ur, the Chaldeans, it's way down here. This is in modern day Iraq. This is where they lived, Ur. This is the promised land where they're trying to get. You'd think shortest distance between two points, that's where we need to go. No, but see, that's not here. Yeah, I can just do it right here in the middle. That way people in like to see it. So you go from Ur over there, but this is all desert land. You're not going to travel there. You see, this is the what, what they call the uh, fertile area, so the, the fertile cre- crescent, so the Euphrates River. So if you're going to make a journey from here to there, you got to go on this route. So this is where they started way down there. And remember, they're not traveling by airplane. They're not traveling by train. They're not traveling by car. They're traveling either by animal or just walking. They're hoofing it. And so they got to go all the way from Ur to the land that God will show them, which is here. But along the journey, remember it's somewhere God will show them. God didn't have this map in front of them. Wouldn't it be helpful if God gave us a map? You ever been in those stores and they have that big map and it says, you are here? you're like, that's where I want to go. Here's where I am. Okay, now I need where I need to go. That's what I want in my life. I want to know this is where I am. God, this is where you're taking me. So I, I okay, yeah, this is what I need. Just make that decision. Do that. But that's not what happened. He said, I want you to start leaving. I want you to leave here and just go where I show you. Well, it could have been here, 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 here. They didn't know where they're going. It says they came to Haran and they dwelt there. They stopped. Why did they stop there? Notice the name Haran. Does that ring a bell? Terah had three sons. What was the name of the first one? Haran. And what does it say about Haran? Haran died before his father in Ur of the Chaldeans. Haran died back here. Now Nahor evidently stayed back with a family farm. We don't know what happened to Nahor, but we know that Terah took Abram and they came to Haran and they dwelt there. And here's the problem. Here's what I felt like happened. They settled in Iran, they settled for something that wasn't God's best. On a long journey of hope can cause us the temptation to settle in places where we're supposed to pass through. We can begin to settle for places that aren't God's best. God hadn't called Terah to go to the promised land, he called Abram to go. But Terah came to this place. Remember, Terah died at 205 years old, so this journey could have been a little tough for Terah. And he gets to this place, and something happened. The name of this place, Haran, means actually mountaineer or parched. Here's what I believe happened. I believe Terah came to this place, and he began to dry up and die. His son's passing became a mountain in his life that he could not get past. He named this place Haran after his son because he was saying, I can't go any further. The pain of losing his son had become too much and he didn't want to go any further. He said just begin to dwell there and that's the problem. Our hopes can dry up around mountainous circumstances in our lives. Do you have any hopes or dreams that have died in disappointment? We all have our Haran's that we have to deal with in our lives. Our issues, our disappointments, our things that have gone wrong. Things that have happened in our life, maybe happened to us, happened through us. And and if we're not careful, that Haran can end up being the place that we stop. Because notice what it says. They they began to dwell in Haran. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. He died there. And then chapter 12, verse 4 says, So Abram departed as the Lord spoke to him, had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Abram didn't depart until his dad died, until that thing happened that was holding him back. And I believe there's places that we are dwelling that we should have departed. Haran was on the route. They had to go through there. But it wasn't where they were supposed to stay. It wasn't where they were supposed to live. They settled there. They were dwelling in a place they were supposed to depart. They, and Abram was not able to depart there until his dad, the thing that was holding him back, the thing that he would not leave, the thing that he would not hold, uh, put back in the back of his life, he would not put it there. So now that very thing became what was holding him back. And so sometimes in our life, the things we won't walk away from cause us to stop short of where God wants us to go. Are we dwelling places where God told us to depart? There could be a lot of issues. Let me give you a couple. Sometimes we get stuck in offenses. Sometimes we get stuck in tragedy. Amy's story is so powerful. We all have a Haran. They're all different levels. I don't know what your haran is. I don't know what you've been through. It could be a small thing. It could be a major thing. It could be a life-changing thing. It could be something that somebody said to you. It could be something that a spouse did to you. It could be a divorce. It could be, I don't know what it is, but we all have these harans that God said, you're going to have to walk through that haran. I don't want you to dwell there. I want you to stay there. I've called you to depart from it. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. God doesn't promise us we won't have a haran. He just says, I don't want you to dwell there. I want you to depart. And here's what I felt like God said. So I want you to tell them, that no matter what their haran is, it's time to depart. It's time to depart. It's time to move on. It's time to leave that in the past. It's time to, sometimes we can't even depart from our harans of what we've done ourselves. Like, we're the worst to forgive ourselves. We're the worst critic for ourselves. Like, I don't deserve it, so I, I can't do it. God said, hey, it's time to move forward. It's time to be healed. It's time to let that go, what they said, what they did. So his invitation to you and me today is, will you depart from your Haran? Will you depart from your place of disappointment? Will you depart from what's said about you or what you've done or what someone else did to you? There's a promised land that God wants you to go to, but we've got to leave some things behind. So here's how I asked the Lord how I how want to do it. He said, well... I just want you to offer an opportunity for anyone who's stuck. You're stuck somewhere you don't want to be and you don't know how to get out. Maybe it's a mental stuck, maybe it's an emotional thing, maybe it's something that happened in your past, something tragic, something minor, something major, I don't know. But it's something that happened that has come to define your existence no one's making small of what happens no one's saying it's insignificant God is just saying I have called you to walk through that I will give you the strength to walk through that I didn't ask you to dwell there I asked you to depart from there so from our harans today it's time to depart it's time to leave the divorce in the rearview mirror. It's time to move forward. It's time to leave what happened to you. It's time to leave that tragedy. It's what was thought? It's, like, it's time to leave that thought process. I'm I'm trying to depart right now from the one of the most discouraging seasons of my life. I don't know why. I don't even know what's going on. I don't know what happened, but it's just mental. It's it's an onslaught of the enemy trying to discourage me constantly. Last last week during the second service I was preaching, like during the service, I'm hearing voices. You are killing it. It's not killing it in a good way. It's terrible. Stop. I mean, it was like I'm trying to keep going, but in my mind, it's telling me just get off the stage. As soon as I get off, I go home overwhelmed with discouragement. Overwhelmed like, man, I'm terrible. I'm so bad. But God's saying, depart. Depart. Depart, don't wait until you feel like you've departed, depart. It's time to move forward. I can wait till I feel free or I can believe I am free by the blood of Jesus. I can wait till those voices stop or I can grab a hold of the other voice, the other freedom. See, God's not just calling me to get out of something. He's calling me to something. So I got to get a vision for what he's calling me to. And when I have a vision of what he's calling me to, then I will leave that behind and say, your voices can still stay. But I'm departing my Haran. So I'm saying today... With all accountability, I'm leaving Haran. I'm leaving that one. There could be other ones that I'm still dealing with, some that you're dealing with. But here's what I felt like God wanted want to do. I, no persuasive words of man's wisdom. No flashy whatever. I'm just supposed to pray. I'm going to open up the altar. And I believe there's some things that you're dwelling in that God says it's time to depart that you're gonna give it to Jesus and say, I'm done feeling that way. I'm done with that lie. I'm done with that deception. I'm done with that mindset. I'm done with that condemnation. I'm done with that habit. I'm departing that Haran. I'm not gonna stay there. Some relationships you should leave behind some friends that maybe you should leave behind well i don't want to leave them behind and i want to bring them with me that's fine as long as they're called to go with you but if they're not going to go with you then they're going to keep you somewhere you don't want to be and when you're stuck you don't know how to get out of it and you have to die to some things tara had to die before abram could move forward there are some things that we have to die to before we're going to move forward there may be some offenses you need to die to some unforgiveness you need to put on this altar and say jesus i want out of my haran." It was so powerful in the first service, people just coming and just saying, I'm departing, I'm departing, I'm departing. I'm departing this mindset. I'm departing what people think about me. I'm departing other people's approval. I'm, I'm departing it. I'm getting out of Haran. I've lived here. I've dwelled here too long. I'm departing. So this is my invitation. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at the theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.